Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? You're going to be whistling that all day for the next month, all right? So good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. And if you're joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, I want to ask you to do me a favor and fill out our Connect card. Uh, There's a few different ways you can do that. You can point your phone's camera uh, to that QR code on the screen behind me, which will direct you to our website. You can text the word guest to that number there on the screen, or if you received a bulletin on your way in, you can fill that little piece out and tear it out and drop it in the plates as as you leave today. We just want to get some information from you so that we can serve you the best way that we can. And I want to go ahead and give you this week's memory verse for those of you who are memorizing some scripture with us this year. It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, and this is what it says. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. All right? So you can memorize that and whistle this difficult people video for this week, all right? But I'm so glad you're here. So glad to be back. Sure missed you all last week. And I'm gonna let you hold on to your opinions of that until we're done with these next 30 minutes, all right? You might not be so happy that I'm here. (laughs) But we're beginning this series called Difficult People, all right? And I'm really excited about this series. This is one I've been working on for a while, wanting to do for a few years. So as we get started this morning, I wanna ask you to do me a favor, and that's this. Raise your hand if you're human, all right? That's all of us. If you're not raising your hand, you're really scaring the people that are sitting near you, all right? But when you look around, what we have here is a room full of human beings, all right? If you're married, your marriage is between two human beings. If you have kids, you have a few extra little human beings running around. If you have a job, you're interacting with human beings all day long. The point is, we're all human beings, And we all interact with human beings every single day. The problem is human beings have a tendency to not always get along very well, all right? We're difficult. So what's the premise of this series, Difficult People? Here it is. Are you ready? You are one, all right? We're difficult. We're cantankerous. We don't always get along. We argue with each other. We hurt each other. We get offended. We offend other people. Every single relationship we have in this life is going to suffer from the damage of us being human, all right? And that's what we're going to talk about for these next several weeks. How do we heal from that? How do we have better relationships? How do we have healthier relationships? And ultimately, all of this is rooted firmly in the message of the gospel. It's rooted firmly in what Jesus did for us on the cross because he is the ultimate reconciler. So as we get started this morning, there are just a few things that I want you to know before we jump in. And the first one is this, that you need people, all right? We all need people. God created us to need each other. If we go all the way back to the garden, God created Adam and Eve and he put them there together because they needed each other. And when they sinned, their relationship with God was broken. 
which put us in a terrible place, but originally, God originally wired us to need each other. He wired us to belong together in relationships with other people. And I believe that's one of the reasons he created the church. He created the church for us to worship him, for us to be on mission for him, but also because we need each other. We need to be together. But the reason that we have problems in our relationships is because we're human, all right? We're all human. We're all broken. We mess up. We make mistakes, but we need each other, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James today, James chapter 1. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app as well. We have an event there. But this whole series is coming out of the book of James. James has a lot to say about relationships. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and it's really interesting because he lived through all of Jesus's life in ministry, but he didn't believe that his half-brother was the Messiah, all right? He didn't follow Jesus. And James, if I'm being honest, is one of the reasons that I'm so confident about my faith in Jesus, and it's because he lived with Jesus. He watched his entire life. He watched his entire ministry, but he didn't believe in him. He didn't follow him. In other words, James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah or the Son of God until he watched him die on the cross. And at that point, James was so convinced that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin and that he rose from the dead that he now chooses to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. After the resurrection, James begins to believe in him. And then God uses James to become one of the leaders of the early church in Jerusalem. And sometime after that, James writes this letter. And it was distributed to all the churches at a time where the Christians were scattered all over the place. And James writes this letter to them while they're scattered. And he says, I get it. You're scattered. You're running. You're scared. You're being persecuted and you need each other, all right? And James saw a lot of problems in their relationships. He watched as the church rejected people. He watched as the church chose to not, chose to not accept people. He watched as the Christians chose to fake it and wear a mask and not be authentic. And so he addresses all of that in this letter. He basically writes this letter to make the point that the church needs people, that you need each other. God created us that way. And it's possible for us to get along, all right? That's the first thing that I want you to know before we jump in. The second thing that I want you to know is this, that you and I are the problem, all right? In other words, if when I said, we're starting a new series called Difficult People today, you started looking around like, well, that's the problem. If when I said we're starting a new series called Difficult People today, you started thinking of all of the difficult people in your life, you're getting off on the wrong footing, all right? Yes, we'll talk about how to deal with the people that drive us crazy, but we're also gonna deal with you. And we're also gonna deal with me. And we're also gonna deal with the fact that we drive people crazy too, all right? You and I, we are difficult people. And a lot of times we're the problem. And we need to be willing to admit that today, all right? So we're gonna look at two simple short verses in James chapter one, one now, one later. And in just one of these verses, James gives us three foundational things that I believe will help us get along 
with everyone. And I'm gonna make a very bold claim and say this. I am convinced that if we can master everything that James has written in these two little verses, that all of the relationships in our lives will change dramatically, all right? I really believe that. If we can get these few little things right, the relationships we have will change in extremely revolutionary ways. I'm 1,000% confident of that, that if we can live out these verses, that we will be able to get along with just about everyone, all right? So we're gonna take a look at the first one, James chapter one, verse 19. This is what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There's our three things. If we could become quicker to listen, slower to speak, and slower to become angry, it will dramatically change the relationships in our lives. And it will better prepare you for relationships that you're going to have in the future. So we're gonna take this verse, we're gonna break this down and talk about each of these phrases. We're gonna spend the most time on the third one though, because I think the third one is probably the root of most of our problems. But how do we have better relationships? Let's talk about the first thing. Number one, we need to be quick to listen. All right, you with me this morning? How can we be quicker to listen? What does it mean to really listen to people? What does it mean to really hear what they have to say? Here's what I've discovered about myself. I usually think I'm listening, all right? Does anyone else have that problem? <laughs> I think I'm listening really well. And then after the conversation, I realize that I missed the entire point, right? I wasn't really listening. I wasn't really hearing. James tells us to be quick to listen, be ready to listen. In other words, when a conversation begins, my first thought needs to be, okay, I'm gonna really listen and hear what this person is saying to me. I'm gonna actually listen to this conversation. I really need to hear what's going on because if we don't do this, if we don't stop to really listen, then what's gonna end up happening is we're going to be very easily offended. And we're gonna talk about that for a long time today. One of the things that we're gonna discover through this series is that we are very easily offended and people who are very easily offended aren't very happy. People who are very easily offended carry all kinds of weights and burdens through this life. People who are very easily offended tend to leave a trail of broken relationships behind them. So how do we stop being so easily offended. We start by listening, all right? We need to be quick to listen. We need to actively listen to people. Well, how do we do that? Here's how. When it comes to listening, make eye contact, right? Pay attention to what the person is saying. Watch their facial expressions. Watch their body language. Resist the urge to prepare a response, when someone else is talking, resist the urge to start thinking about what you're going to say. Instead of that, just reflect on what you're hearing. Ask some clarifying questions. That's what it means to really listen to someone. And here's the thing. These are skills that they begin teaching us in preschool. But we still struggle with them at 30 and 60 and 90. We need to be quick to listen. We need to do a better job of listening. Now, when James says, be quick to listen, 
I don't think he's just talking about listening to words with our ears. I don't think he's just saying, listen to the words that they're saying and try to interpret them and comprehend them. I think that what he's really getting at is that we should listen to the heart, that we take a step further and we really hear what's happening behind what's being said. And I hear people use this phrase a lot. We say, hurt people hurt people, right? And in the same way, healed people heal people. But here's what happens to us. A hurt person says something that could hurt us. And most of the time, if we're being honest, we usually respond to that in our humanness, right? We hurt back, we get defensive, we put up a wall to try to protect ourselves because all we're seeing in that moment is the fact that this person is getting ready to hurt me. But if we're really willing to be quick to listen. If we listen with spiritual ears, if we listen the way Jesus listened, this means we're gonna stop and ask ourselves, what's going on behind these words? If they're afraid of, of criticism, is it because they've been criticized their entire life? If they're being defensive, is it because they're afraid of that criticism? Could it be that there's a string of people who have deeply hurt this person? Being quick to listen means that we look past the words and we ask, what's coming out of the heart? What's coming out of the past? And even when people are being hurtful, even when they're saying things that might cut us or damage us, even when they're saying things that might offend us or bother us, we have to stop and say, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm not just gonna listen to the words, I'm gonna listen to the heart. I'm gonna to listen to what's happening beneath the surface. And again, I truly believe that all of our relationships will be dramatically improved if we just start with that decision. I'm gonna be quick to listen. I'm gonna be quiet, I'm gonna be calm, and I'm gonna hear what's going on. The problem is we are very convinced that we have a right to speak and we have a right to argue. And maybe you do, you're probably not wrong. But if we're so focused on our need to be right and say what we have to say that we fail to stop and listen, our relationships are gonna suffer because of it, all right? So instead of escalating and arguing, we need to be quick to listen. We need to listen to the heart. Getting along with other people starts with being an intentional listener. And this is something that Jesus did very well. I think about the woman at the well. I think about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. The religious leaders brought her to Jesus because they wanted him to stone her. But what did Jesus do? He said, let's wait a second. Let's think about what's really going on here. Let's talk about the hurt underneath this situation. I want you to hear her heart. I wanna hear what's really broken. So being quick to listen means that we're ready to hear what's really going on. Think about how this would completely change our political discussions. And I'm not here to be political. I stay outside the lines because I think that's where Jesus is. But think about what would happen if our government instituted a one minute rule. And here's what I mean by that. When someone throws out an idea, even if we all know it's the most terrible idea that's ever been thrown out, everyone is now gonna take one minute and listen and think about this idea. What if there was a 20 minute rule on Facebook, right? What if for the first 20 minutes, 
No one is allowed to comment. We have to take those 20 minutes and read and process. These are habits that we need to build into our lives. So when your spouse or your friend or your coworker or your sibling, when they say something, just pause. Be quick to listen. It will dramatically change your relationships. All right, you with me this morning? Here's the second thing. How do we have better relationships? Be slow to speak. Now I've spent most of my life in Texas and I've met a lot of people who speak very slowly, but that's not what this means, all right? This means that we slow down before we respond. We slow down so that we can think before we respond. We slow down so that we can process before we respond. We slow down and we think about our motives. We slow down and we think about what's at stake. We slow down and we think about our tone. We slow down and we think about how we're gonna come across. We slow down to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance. Now, I don't necessarily mean that when someone's talking to you, you put your hand up and say, okay, stay right here for 15 minutes. I'm gonna go pray and then come back and I'll finish this conversation. It's not always like that. There was a moment in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah where the king asked Nehemiah a question and he had to respond right away. But the Bible tells us that in that moment, Nehemiah prayed before he responded. In other words, it happened very quickly. Nehemiah consulted with the Spirit of God in these few little seconds before he had to respond to the king. So if we stopped, not just to listen, but also to slow down and to give the Holy Spirit room to work in what I'm about to say. It will change the way I speak to others. And then when I do speak, I'll speak more like Jesus. We need to be slow to speak, all right? Colossians chapter four, verse six, Paul tells us, let your speech always be gracious. Everyone say gracious. 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 Seasoned with salt. Interesting so that you may know how to answer each person. Here's the thing about this verse. It's a biblical command. Let your speech always be gracious. What does it mean, seasoned with salt? That doesn't make any sense. In the New Testament era, salt was used to preserve food, not just to enhance its flavor. So a conversation that is figuratively seasoned with salt would be uplifting, would be preserving, would be encouraging. So Paul tells us that our speech should always be gracious. It should always be kind. It should always be uplifting, encouraging, seasoned with salt, well thought out. We need to slow down to listen and be intentional about responding slowly. I'm gonna pray about this for a second. I'm gonna think before I speak. I'm gonna think about how Jesus would respond. I'm gonna think about what Jesus would say. And I'm going to respond in a way that reflects God's love for this person. If you slow down and just take a second to do that before you respond, there's a greater chance that your response will be gracious. But if we aren't slow to speak, there's a greater chance that our response will be defensive or argumentative, all right? We need to be slow to speak. We need to respond differently. We need to slow down and take a second and take a break, take a breath, backspace the text message and start over again. Delete the email and start over again. Have a sip of water. Think about how Jesus would respond. 
Think about how the hurt within this person might be the motivation behind the thing that they're saying to you. We just take a second and we invite the guidance of the Holy Spirit and we respond graciously. That's what it means to be slow to speak. And again, it'll change your relationships, all right? So how do we do this? We are quick to listen. We are slow to speak. And the final thing, number three, is this. Be slow to anger. And the first two really build us up to this third one. Be slow to anger. Be slow to get angry. And here's the thing. If we're quick to listen, and if we're slow to speak, it will be possible for us to truly be slow to anger. Now, as I said at the beginning, we're probably gonna spend the most of our time talking about this one because this is something that we struggle greatly with in our culture today. We really struggle with anger. And we deal with anger in a few different ways. Some of us are stuffers. We've talked about this before. Stuffers stuff everything down for years and years and years, right? Some are leakers. Leakers are the ones who let a little bit of that negativity and anger out everywhere they go. And the third category are the exploders, right? These are the people who just explode and let it all out at once. Chances are we probably do all three of these things. We stuff some things down, we leak some things out, and we explode when it's too much. But regardless of how we deal with our anger, we all have some things that we have tucked away from past circumstances, past situations, past conversations, relationships, hurts, And here's what happens. When someone speaks to us in a way that we don't like because it's unkind or because it's hurtful, here's what we do. We tap into the anger that we've been holding on to for years and years. And we respond out of that hurt. We respond out of that anger. And ultimately what we're doing at that point is returning hurt for hurt. And relationships fall apart. And marriages die and family members don't speak to one another for years. Once this cycle starts going, it gets destructive very, very quickly. So my question for you this morning is this. What if we could become unoffendable? Now, I'm not saying that moral issues shouldn't bother us. I'm not saying that injustice shouldn't bother us. I'm talking about our everyday relationships with other human beings. What if we could become unoffendable? Would you want to? Would you desire that? Being unoffendable is a desire that I have developed lately because I came across this book called Unoffended by a guy named Brent Brent Hansen. Some of you may have heard of him. He's a very popular Christian radio host. And his book makes a lot of sense. He roots all of his arguments in scripture and he basically explains how it's possible for us to live life without being offended. There's another great book on this by John Bevere. It came out about 30 years ago. You know what it's called? The Bait of Satan. The Bait of Satan. It says real big, The Bait of Satan, living free from the deadly trap of offense. And this entire book is about how Satan uses offense to tear apart our relationships and our marriages and our workplaces and our companies and our churches and our countries. Living offended is extremely destructive. 
And I truly believe that it's possible to become unoffendable. And again, I'm talking about offense in the context of our everyday relationships. I'm talking about offense in the context of our conversations. It's possible to become unoffendable. And I know some of you are ready right now with your argument. Instead of being quick to listen, you're already putting some justification together in your head. You might be thinking, yeah, well, the Bible tells us, buddy, that we should be angry sometimes. All right, let's take a look at the second verse, verse 20. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. How many of you are human? Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. There's the problem with me trying to justify my anger. It all all boils down to this. Everyone who is angry walks around believing this right here. I have a right to be angry. Have you ever gotten angry and tried to talk yourself down and said, you know what? I'm angry, but I don't really think I have a right to be angry in this situation. So I'm gonna let this go. Have you ever done that? Probably not, right? That's not how our brains work. It's the righteous anger that begins to boil over. I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to be angry. And when we feel that way, we need to come back to this verse. Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. The anger of broken, sinful human beings does not accomplish God's righteousness. Again, James isn't talking about God's anger over injustice. James isn't talking about God's anger over what sin has done to the world. James is talking about human anger. He's talking about anger that comes out of our hearts. He's talking about anger that flows out of our mouths. He's talking about anger that is born in our selfishness. And he says that kind of anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. It doesn't heal anything. It doesn't fix anything. So we need to become unoffendable. Brent Hansen, he says, yes, the world is broken, but we shouldn't be offended by that. Instead, we should thank God for intervening. We should thank God that one day he's gonna restore it back to what it was meant to be. His kingdom is breaking through bit by bit and we need to see that instead. And then he says this, and this really highlights the entire point. He says, in the world we live in today, war is not exceptional. Peace is. Think about that for a second. War is typical. Peace is exceptional. Worry is typical. Trust is exceptional. Anger is typical. Restoration is exceptional. Selfishness is typical. Gratitude is exceptional. Being defensive, that's what we do. That's typical. Sacrifice is exceptional. Being judgmental is typical. Grace is exceptional. In other words, war, worry, anger, selfishness, defensiveness, judgment. That's our default setting. That's who we are because of sin. But if the grace of God is alive in my life and I believe in the power of the cross and I understand the heart of God and I trust in him and I'm following him and I allow him to change me, when that is who I am, I move away 
from war and worry and anger and selfishness and defensiveness and judgment and to peace and trust and restoration and gratitude and sacrifice and grace. In other words, I start to display the grace of God in my life when I no longer feel the need to live offended. I no longer have to live offended if I understand that the reason why people do the things that they do is because they're a part of the same sinful, broken humanity that I am a part of. So I understand where they're coming from. I understand why their brokenness is sometimes on display as they say the things they say and do the things they do. I understand where they are. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak, pray about it. Put your words through the filter of the gospel. Now I have a right to be mad about anything I wanna be mad about, sure. But I'm also a Christian. I also follow Jesus. I also believe that Jesus went to the cross to pay for the penalty for my sin. God gave us paradise and he watched as we broke the rules and we walked away from him. So he nailed his son to a cross. Do you know why Jesus stayed on the cross? Because of love and grace. We deserve death, destruction, eternal separation from God, but he gave us love, grace, and salvation instead. In other words, Jesus says to us, I know where you're coming from. I know why you're broken. I know why you're sinful. I understand. God is really quick to listen when it comes to us, isn't he? He says, you're broken because you're a part of this sinful human condition. So I understand why you make the mistakes that you make. I understand why you think the way you think. I understand why you do the things you do. And I'm gonna send my son to the cross to die for you anyway. And since I follow him, my life has to be changed by the cross of Jesus Christ. My heart has to be affected by the gospel. My attitudes have to be affected by the gospel. The way I treat people has to be different because of the fact that I follow Jesus. And if it's not different, am I really following him? So how do we bring about reconciliation? Here's what we do. We replace offense with love. We choose to love instead of living offended. And I'm gonna be really honest this morning because I want this to hit home for us. Some of us, when we look in the rearview mirror, what we see is a trail of broken relationships. Some of us, we walk from one broken relationship to another and another and another because we have never really aligned our hearts and our lives and our attitudes and our responses with the gospel. And when our hearts and our lives aren't aligned with the gospel, guess what happens? We become very easily offended and we leave behind us a trail of broken relationships. We leave behind us a trail of broken churches all of whom were wrong. It was all their fault. Had nothing to do with my selfishness. Had nothing to do with me being so easily offended. It was all their fault. 
We leave behind a trail of broken marriages and they all end the same way because we're not fixing anything. We just move on to a new marriage and we start the new marriage with the same problems we had in the last marriage, but it's not my fault. It has nothing to do with my brokenness. It has nothing to do with my selfishness. We have to reach a point of spiritual maturity in our lives where we're able to say, you know what? I'm not going to be offended anymore. And that becomes a whole lot easier when you understand where offense comes from. Do you know where offense comes from? This might offend you. Offense comes from entitlement. And we have to reach a point of spiritual maturity where we say, I'm not gonna live offended anymore. I might be broken. I might be upset. I might be hurt. I might be sad, but I'm no longer going to live offended. Now, let me make one very important clarification. I'm not talking about relationships that are abusive. Don't walk out of here and stay in an abusive relationship because you're trying not to be offended anymore. No. If someone is abusing you, get out, get help, run away, escape the situation. I'm not talking about abuse. Here's what I am saying. The more confident I become about living for God's approval alone, the more capable I become of dealing with the offenses that come my way. And your relationships will be healthier and deeper when you decide I'm not gonna be so easily offendable anymore. I'm gonna let my anger go. I'm gonna uproot this anger and shove it aside and deal with it. And I'm gonna be quick to listen. I'm gonna be slow to speak. I'm gonna be slow to anger and I'm gonna replace offense with love. All right. I'm excited about this series. We're gonna get really practical over the next several weeks, but this is gonna be a difficult one, all right? And here's why it's gonna be a difficult series. It's gonna be a difficult series because we are difficult people. It's gonna to touch some nerves. It's touched my nerves quite a bit over the last couple months, all right? But here's what I want you to understand about this series. Every one of these messages is ultimately rooted in the message of the cross. We learn something about Jesus so when James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, what he's doing is he's echoing for us the heart and the character of God. Now, is God angry about our sin? Absolutely. He just gets angry slowly. Our sin has offended God so badly that he could have wiped us out and started over at any point in time, but God is slow to anger. He's patient with us. Why is he so patient? Because he wants more and more people to come into his family. Listen, we're still here. Jesus hasn't come yet. Why? Because God loves us so much and he wants more and more and more people to come into his family. As many as we can reach, as many as we can tell, as many as we can include, as many as we can love. He wants us to continue on our gospel mission and he's giving us more time to lead people to him. That's the character of God. That's the heart of God. And when we look at the cross, we have to remember that the cross happened because God was offended by our sin and wanted to save us from it. With that being said, God alone has a right to be offended because he's perfect 
He's holy. He's righteous. He's the sinless creator. He gave us paradise and we ruined it. And God took that offense and he punished Jesus for it on the cross. What does that mean for me? Don't miss this. It means I no longer have the right to live offended because I am the offender and I have been forgiven. So we're quick to listen. We're slow to speak. We're slow to anger. And let's leave this place and be agents of God's grace in this life. All right, pray with me this morning. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the cross. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us even while we were still sinners, even though we didn't deserve your grace. We thank you that you freely gave it to us. So help us to give that same grace to others. We don't wanna live our lives offended anymore. We don't wanna be so easily offended. God, help us to understand people's hearts. Help us to be quick to listen. When we talk to someone, we don't just wanna hear their words, we wanna hear their hearts. Help us to be slow to speak. We don't wanna talk without thinking and praying first. We don't wanna respond defensively or argumentatively. Help us to be slow to speak. And help us to be slow to anger. God, we don't want to carry anger with us through this life. We don't want to be so easily offended. We don't want to continue living in a string of broken relationships with other people. And we thank you, God, that you are all three of these things with us each and every day. So help us to embody your message of grace with the people around us. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment today, maybe you're here in this place, maybe you're watching online and you feel like you're just at a place where you're way too far gone to be saved by the grace that Jesus displayed on the cross. Maybe you feel like you've offended God's heart so badly that he would never want you to be a part of his family. Listen to me, that will never be true. God loves you. He created you. He has a plan for your life and he wants to welcome you into his family. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not live because we all fall short, we're all broken, we're all sinful, but Jesus came and he lived that perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death and we were destined to pay that debt, but Jesus stepped in and took our place on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin and then he rose from the dead to give us new life. And the Bible says that if you call on his name, he will save you, he will restore you, he will make you new again and you'll experience never ending eternal life in his presence. So if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Church, let's make this our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card.
Thanks again for joining us.